And you're back on Faith FM with Encounter with God here with uh, Lyle and Lawson, the double L team this morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we go, I've actually got somebody on the phone who I'm going oh. to talk to in just a moment. Matt. But uh, yeah, before we go to that person, let's have the next clue for our quiz. Because we missed a clue earlier, I feel like it, it would be appropriate to do a double clue. Oh, a double clue. Double clue. Just right. so, because think Lyle hasn't guessed yet. And he's not allowed to guess after I give these clues, even though I think he know. I like yeah, I, know, I know the answer. He knows the answer, but if you can just be super speedy, get this number ready in your phone one eight hundred three two four eight four three. Again, this is a who am I quiz, and the first clue I gave was I prophesied. See, the Lord is coming with ten thousand, uh, with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones, um, to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly. So that was the first clue, and now our next clue is. I live to be 365 years old. And after that, the next clue is Hebrews 11 and verse 5 states that I was commanded as one who pleased God. I was commended as one who pleased God. Okay, who lived to that very long age and pleased God, if you know the answer. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call, and there's only one prize available because I know I've got yeah, the answer to yeah, this one. Yeah, he, he knows what's up. Okay, joining us on the phone this morning is Claire Evans from uh, Glen Hewen, Tasmania. Claire, welcome to the show. Good morning. Now, um, the reason I'm calling you, Claire, I don't usually make phone calls during our Encounter with God section, but um, you're one of, you and I are childhood friends from Glen Hewen, Tasmania, yes. and uh, you, yep. were the, you were the smart one who actually chose to stay in Glen Hewen. <laughs> maybe, maybe not feeling quite so smart today. Now, no, Claire. I wonder whether you could tell us what's happening on the ground there in Glen Hewen right now, as far as the fires go. Well, as you may have heard, there there have been a lot of evacuations from down here. Um, they have evacuated my hometown of Glen Hewen. They have evacuated Jeebston. Um, they have evacuated a couple of towns south of Jeedston, um, and they have evacuated Judbury and Lonavale. Okay, now, yep. It, it, it looks like the fire at this stage may be heading south. Right, so if it's heading south, then heading away from Glen Hewen, more towards Jeeveston, down sort of towards that area, is that right? Yes, d- down towards, yes, down towards that sort of area, yes. And your house? At the moment, it is still standing. That is good news. That's awesome. Um, that is great news. So your house is a, is a weatherboard house too, isn't it? Yes, it? yes, it's an old weatherboard house, so there's a lot of timber in it. Yeah, they go up um, quite quite um, spectacularly when they do go up. Now, what about your uh, your parents' place? Um, you know, my memories as, as, as a kid and as a teenager and so forth, um, they lived more out in the bush um, behind Glen Hewen. Has the fire gone through that area? Yes, it has. Um, and praise God, the, the old family home is still standing. Mm. But the fire has been right through um, our old property up there. But the, the fire service did an absolutely fantastic job of protecting the house and um, a lot of the sheds around the around the property. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, good to hear. And uh, of course, um, you know, we need to be praying for our all of our fireys uh, today that are working particularly hard down there in Tasmania. Now, Claire, absolutely. Yeah, we, we've seen a. Um, you and I have seen a number of big fires go through the area over the years. Is this the biggest fire that you've ever seen go through this region? 
this is the biggest and hardest to control fire um, that I have on memory. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as I say, we uh, we spend a fair bit of time down there, and and, and Claire's been there um, a lot longer than I have. But um, now, Claire, just a, 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 another quick question. I guess we were talking to um, to Ron Evans earlier in the show, so two Evans this morning, one but from the other side of the world, where they're having uh, you know fifty five below temperatures, while you know Australia is baking and burning. When you see things happening like this, does it give you a does it give, does it give you an impression that you know Jesus is coming soon? Definitely. There there have definitely been some big signs recently and I would definitely say that this is this is one of them, yes. Yeah. Claire, thank you so much for joining us on the phone this morning. We really appreciate uh, you sharing with us um, an on-the-ground report of uh, what is happening down there in Tasmania. And You're very course, welcome. Yeah, thank you. And uh, so, of course, we need to um, yeah keep uh, everybody down there in prayers, mm. particularly the fireys and the emergency service who are working so hard. And uh, we need to get on with our Encounter with God um, section. So where are we up to, Lawson? We're in Revelation, Revelation chapter 4, chapter isn't that four. so? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yes, so let's head sir. across to Revelation chapter 4. And uh, let's see what the Bible has to say over here. <laughs> we were talking about up. the 24 elders yesterday. So mm-hmm. 24 elders and... Um, we identify the 24 elders as people, human beings, redeemed mm-hmm. from this earth. Uh, we looked at you know the two visions of the throne room of God, one that is found in um, Ezekiel and one that is found in Revelation. Mm-hmm. And so both of these uh, particular um, uh, prophets had visions of the throne room of God. Mm-hmm. But there are not just the 24 elders that are mentioned as being present in the throne room of God. And so we're going to move on in the prophecy this morning and look at another four individuals here that come up next. So let's uh, let's pick it up in verse 5 and we'll go down through verse 7. So 5, 6, 7. And uh, we'll highlight a couple of uh, points as we go through this passage. For sure. This is Revelation chapter 4 and verse 5, and it says, From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living beings, each covered with eyes from front to back. The first of the first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face uh, like a human, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, something here that I don't know about you, Lawson. I've never seen one of these. No, I've never never seen a a, a being that looks yeah like this. Okay, so we'll we'll start in verse five and we'll just highlight a couple of points. Verse mm-hmm. five, you've got uh, this is a picture of the throne room of God. This mm-hmm. is God's throne. Lightnings, thunderings, voices, mm-hmm. seven lamps of fire in front of the throne. So this is a sanctuary scene, a temple scene that we're having here in heaven. So in, in God's temple in heaven, this is a holy place scene. And we talked about this yesterday. The throne is in the holy place in this scene. The throne is not in the most holy place. Mm-hmm. And what you'll find is that in the introduction to all of these three, the uh, the seven uh, churches, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the introduction always begins in the holy place, and in the very end, when you come down to you know your 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 your, your sixth and seventh seal or your seventh 
uh, church, your seventh trumpet, the scene moves from the holy place to the most holy place. And mm-hmm. so we've got a movement taking place here. Jesus is moving from one part of the sanctuary to another. He's moving from one ministry to another. There is a change taking place. Um, different events are going to happen just before the return of Christ. And, of course, that relates directly to the judgment. This passage here actually you know, gives us some indication, um, and indications of movement. So what we've got here is a situation where the Bible introduces the throne room of heaven and it introduces the Father. Mm. It has not yet introduced the Son. The Son is on his way. So the first thing that happens here is that you know the throne is set in place, the Father sits on the throne, mm. um, and then we have you know a bit of a description, and then the Son turns up, and you're going to find the parallel takes place once again when the judgment begins. You know, thrones are set in heaven. You know, the Angel of Days takes his seat, and then the Son turns up. So the Son has not yet turned up. He comes in uh, chapter five down in verse 5, so a few more verses down from here. But this is a sanctuary, a temple scene that we are looking at. Okay, then we continue on in verse 6, and we have um, in front of the throne a sea of glass like crystal. That's kind of hard Mm. to understand. And then we're introduced to, in the middle of the throne, round about the throne, are these four living creatures. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is it that is actually going on here with these living creatures? Creatures fully. I've never seen one. You've never seen one. If you mm. came to work one morning and said, "Hey, I saw one of these," <laughs> we, 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 that would be pretty wild. <laughs> we, we would get some help for you, Lawson. Some very friendly people would come and take you away, and uh, you might spend a little bit of time in a very protected environment. Man, I'm just confident today. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. All right. So, um, yeah, who are these living creatures? You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, so we're going to go over to Ezekiel because Ezekiel, um, Ezekiel, and we're going to start in chapter 1. Ezekiel has this same vision, and in Ezekiel chapter 1, you'll be able to, uh, to find where he has the, 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 mm-hmm. uh, the same vision. And... Um, and uh, uh, gives a description of the same mm. scene, but with a tremendous amount more detail. Mm. So what John covers in three verses, Ezekiel covers in two chapters. Mm. So that's about 60 verses. Yeah, wow. So that's a much bigger ratio. Okay, so we need to find out what the living creatures are. We're not going to read all of the chapters that in, are involved in it. We're just going to pick out some highlights. Verse 1, please, Lewis. Okay. Uh, We're looking for Geography. My Bible is actually really interesting here because it starts off with on, it says on the 31st of the the 13th, the 31st of July on the 13th year, it actually gives a date. So that's date. interesting. Yeah. Um, but anyway, on July 30, 31st on my 13th year, while I was with the Judean exiles beside the Kibar, the Kibar River in Babylon, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. This okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop right there for a moment. We don't need to go any further. Okay, we don't need the time stamp on this, but mm-hmm. we do need the geography. Mm-hmm. Where is he? Um, he? The heavens were open. So. Yeah, the heavens are open, but where is he standing? He's standing by the Kabar River. The Kabar River, the Chibar River, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so he's standing by this particular river. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yes. That might not look important. But it is. It's important. Now read for us verse 5. 
Okay. So we're just skipping through, but you can read the whole lot for homework. Fully. From the center of the cloud came four living beings that looked human, except each each had four faces and four wings. Okay, let's go down to verse 10. Um, yep, verse 10, it says, Each had a human face in the front. The face, sorry, each had a human face in the front. The face of a lion on the right on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, the face of an eagle at the back. Okay, so now it's getting a little that bit is, more detailed, isn't that it? That is, yeah. So basically what you've got is John gives you a very simplified account. Mm-hmm. It just says there are four faces, man, lion, ox, eagle. Um, and here you've got uh, Ezekiel going, wait a minute, let me look a bit closer here. What is it that mm-hmm. is actually going on? It gives an incredible amount of detail. Go over to chapter 10. Go over to chapter 10 and... Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 10 and uh, verse 20. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel chapter 20, 10 and verse 20 says, These were the same living beings I had seen beneath the God of Israel when I was in the Chebar River. I knew they were cherubim. Okay, so have you ever wondered what a cherubim looks like? Mm-hmm. You know, you ever go to a uh, one of these old school churches and they've got carvings or paintings or so forth of cherubim? They're usually babies with wings, right? Yeah. No, they don't look anything like babies with wings. <laughs> Clearly they look not. something like what has been described here. Now, if you read mm. all of Ezekiel um, chapter 1 and chapter 10 and go through the description in great detail um, that Ezekiel gives, you're going to find that Ezekiel is endeavoring to... Uh, he's, he's endeavoring to... St- to, to describe something that he does not have human language to be able to describe. Mm. He doesn't, it's, it's just not available to him. The words are not there in his language. It's a little bit like this, Lawson. Let's say that we grabbed Ezekiel from his day mm-hmm. and we launched him into our day. Mm-hmm. All right, so we've launched him into 2019. Yeah, launched him into 2019. So Ezekiel's here. And uh, he's our guest for the day. Mm. And we want to show him around a little bit. So uh, we show him the radio, explain what we're doing here, um, show him how all of the technology and the screens and so forth works and your mobile phone and what that does. Um, then we take him for a bit of a drive. We drive over to you know, Williamtown, throw him on a plane, take him up to the Gold Coast for the day, fly back, you know, do a few things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then we send him back to his day. Does he have the words in his language to be able to give a word picture of what he sees? Well, Are yes, those words but, available? But the, no. To, to describe it to what we actually know it to be, no. You know, no. like it'd say, oh, I, I flew inside a giant bird and and I, I saw moving pictures and, and he would, man, you just get wigged out. Like that would yeah. be insane. And like, everybody would think he was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, this guy has seriously... <laughs> lost it. <laughs> and this is the impression that you get when you read both Ezekiel and John when they see the throne room of heaven. They're like, okay, wait a minute. How do I actually write this down? I don't have the words at my disposal mm-hmm. that I need to be able to describe this. You know, they don't have the word for airplane. They don't have the word for telephone. Mm-hmm. You know, if Ezekiel was writing about today, those words don't exist. Mm-hmm. And so you have to somehow to try and describe it. And you can see both of them just sort of grasping for words to be able to describe yeah what it is that they are seeing. Now, if Ezekiel came to our day, went back and described our day in his day, he would be seen as questionable. Yeah. 
uh, and when we read these pictures, pictures about the uh, the throne room of heaven, you can be tempted to say, ah, you know, that's a bit questionable. Mm. But this is only questionable because you haven't seen it. Yeah, it's the only thing that makes it questionable. All right, so uh, let's look at what else is going on here in the throne room in heaven. Let's find the purpose for these four living creatures. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel chapter 10, and I'm wondering whether you can read for us verse 1. I can. It says in Ezekiel chapter 10 and verse 1, In my vision I saw what happened to what appeared to be a throne uh, of blue lapis lazuli. Luzi. Luzi. Yes. Ooh. Lapis Luzi. Lapis Luzi. Above the crystal surface over the heads of the cherubim. Okay, so here's what. Let's just, just, just put this picture together so far. You've got a crystal surface above the heads of the cherubim, mm-hmm. right? So you've got the cherubim. Above the heads is a crystal surface. And on that crystal surface, there is a throne. Yeah. We all following so far? Yeah. That is what uh, John describes as a sea of glass. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so uh, let's, let's go on and let's next see what is by the cherubim. Verse 9, please. Okay. Verse 9, it says, I looked and each of the four cherubim had a wheel beside him and the wheel sparkled like beryl. Okay. And by the way, if you read on further, you're going to find that these wheels are living wheels. Mm. Full of eyes. Full of eyes. Man, that freaks me out. Like when I think of like that kind of picture. It, you know who would freak out? Actually freak out your son. I was talking to him last night. He has trypophobia, which is the phobia of things being in clusters and stuff <laughs> like that. And like sitting there like looking at pictures that freak him out. And man, that would, that would, <laughs> that would freak me out. And I don't even have tryptophobia. So, man. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is interesting. Okay, um, Lawson, what's the purpose of a wheel? To move. Yes. To to move around. You know the answer to this yeah. question because Mate, you. I I know what a wheel does. <laughs> you know what a wheel does. <laughs> Six times GP three was it GP three? Um. Oh, well, just Moto over GP3. over my career, like that was the last bike that I rode. But I was I was a six time national champion for for motorbike racing here in yeah. Australia. So. Okay. So Lawson Lawson knows what <laughs> wheels are about. He knows what the purpose of a wheel is, and when the Bible uses the symbol of a wheel here, he knows what the Bible is trying to indicate, and that mm-hmm. is to indicate movement. Movement, 100%. Wheels indicate movement. And the question would be, why would God need to move? And, you know, of course, what you've got is a picture of, uh, of a platform with a throne on it, and underneath the platform with a throne on it is uh, four cherubim with four wheels. Mm-hmm. That's a, uh, a fairly straightforward explanation mm-hmm. to us of something that, you know, in the old days you might describe as a chariot, but we would say a vehicle of some kind. Mm-hmm. This is indicative of movement. Why would the throne need to move? Man, I think listeners at home who are really clued into us, really listening to what they're saying, there's already things pinging in my head that you've said before. Why would it need to move? Why would it need to move? Well, hmm, we think yes. about the multiple locations okay. of heaven. So, and think about this. Okay. We were talking about the sanctuary, weren't we? Mm-hmm. And the sanctuary has how many apartments? Two. Two, and Jesus ministers in both of those, mm-hmm. and he moves from one to the other, uh-huh. as does God the Father. Mm-hmm. And so God moves between these two different apartments of the sanctuary to do different kinds of work. Mm-hmm. Now, I am not saying by any stretch of the imagination, do not get me wrong here, that these wheels are restricted to that particular purpose, or that God can't move without wheels, or that... 
Um, God only ever moves, you know, once in 2,000 years from one part of the sanctuary to yeah. the other. God is sovereign God. He can go, come and yeah. go and be wherever he wants to be at any given time. God is not restricted by what we, um, by restrictions that we place on him. But what we do find is that um, the Bible is drawing our attention to the fact that God and God's throne moves.
That was 3ABN Music with In the Sanctuary here on Faith FM. And we are in the book of Revelation, talking about the four living creatures. Mm-hmm. And at least one of the things that is um, indicated as one of their functions. Let's go over to Daniel chapter 7. And let's see what the Bible says over here. And while we're turning there, by the way, what did the Bible say that these four living creatures were? Cherubim. Cherubim. In the sanctuary, in the most holy place of the sanctuary, how many cherubim were there? Four. The one on earth. Oh, and the one on earth. Well, oh, this is a this is a tricky trick question, Lyle, because I'm clued on and ah. I know that. So in the first sanctuary that was built by Moses, Moses yes. there was two cherubim. That's right. But in every later sanctuary, you know, the Herodian sanctuary, the Sol- Solomon's sanctuary. It was actually Solomon's because the um, Herod's sanctuary didn't have an ark. Oh, yeah, true. Okay, yeah. so it didn't have cherubim because it didn't have an ark. But in Solomon's temple, t- Solomon's sanctuary, there were four cherubim. There were four cherubim and those cherubim had four wheels. Ooh. So in the most holy place of Solomon's sanctuary, you had four cherubim and four wheels. Man, the sanctuary is so great. It's just like the key to unlocking all this stuff. Oh, it is. Man, I was, I was blessed Symbolism enough. Symbolism is all there. To, to come in and do radio um, earlier this year and we were going through the book of Revelation and, and I, I got to, to explain some parts of Revelation chapter 1 and it's just like, man, if you don't understand the sanctuary, you have no idea what's going oh, on. Yeah, Just absolutely. lost. You, yeah. But you see, the, you see the signs like, you know, in, in that, like... Uh, the what the Bible the point the Bible's trying to make is that Jesus is the high priest, you know, and he's mm. doing the work in the sanctuary and you can see that because you know, there's the lampstands of the sanctuary and he's wearing the clothes of the high priest and yeah, once you have that understanding it just unlocks so much of especially the book of Revelation, but yeah, the plan of salvation as a whole. And then we can know we can know what God's doing. So and that's awesome. But yes. Okay, Daniel chapter 7, and let's read the judgment scene. So now we're not looking at uh, AD 31. We're moving down now to 1844, so the judgment scene. And uh, let's look at the judgment scene in verse 9 and 10 and see what happens here. All right, verse 9 and 10 of Daniel chapter 7 says... I watched as thrones were put in place, and the Ancient One sat down to judge. His clothing was as white as snow, his hair like the purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Uh, oh, no, no, keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay, and a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session. And the books were opened. Thank you. So notice the notice the uh, the, the the progression of events that takes place mm. here. Uh, number one, thrones are set in place. Yes. Revelation four, thrones are set in place. Of course, two different parts of the sanctuary. Um, the Ancient of Days comes and sits. Mm. So thrones plural. There's at least one more throne here that is still empty. Um, the Father has come and sat. Uh, the Bible then goes on to mention that that throne has wheels, mm-hmm. the cherubim, the wheels that we were talking about earlier. And then, of course, down in verse 13, um, you find that Jesus turns up. You go to Revelation chapter 4, you have throne set in place, you have the Father sits, you have a description of the cherubim, and then you have Jesus turning up. This mm-hmm. is a parallel uh, of these two events. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, one taking place in AD 31 because it's holy place, and one taking place in 1844 because it is most holy place. Mm-hmm. Two different ministries, 
um, both revolving around the sanctuary mm-hmm. and both uh, indicative of God moving mm-hmm. because a wheel only has one purpose. It's to move. And that is to move. And wheels are things that us guys really like. <laughs> This is the L and L show. Where would, where would the world be without wheels? I think one of my favourite things is in the world is wheels. Mm, that's that's Whoever actually I, the wheel is I watched a documentary recently. It was about African history, and when you know some you know the first kind of uh, Europeans come down to Africa, and they get there and they see all these Africans, and they're you know they're they're loading stuff off the boats, and the Africans are just picking it up and and walking with them, and they're confused. And then they realized that the Africans hadn't invented the, the wheel yet. Well, that particular part that of Africa. That particular yeah. part of Africa yeah. where they had landed. Um, and it was, yeah, like they, they're like, man, that's like the step that they need to take. <laughs> so it's, it's good that, you know, we live in the 21st the wheel century. Is just the most awesome thing ever. <laughs> 100%. I like buying wheels. All right. <laughs> let's go back to Revelation chapter 4 and let's finish out this chapter. Uh, let's go from, where were we up to? Verse 7. Let's read verse 8 through to the end of the chapter. All right. Revelation verse 8 says, Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and is who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Thank you. Let me read verse 11 for you from uh, the KJV because it brings out mm-hmm. a really important lesson that is... Um, is missed in some of the more modern translations. It says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. I like that. Mm. How mm. do you get. I've made this point a number of times here on Faith FM, but how do you get pleasure from a person? <laughs> how do you get pleasure from a person? Yes. Do you get pleasure by just looking at a person? No. There's one or two people in the world that you would get pleasure from by looking at, mm-hmm. and you would get bored after the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to have you know, a lifelong, enjoyable experience of another person, mm-hmm. how do you have that? Through, through relationship. Through relationship. Mm. We were created to have a relationship with God forever. Yeah. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. That's why Jesus created us. That's why Jesus died for us. Mm. Man, Revelation 4.11 is actually probably my single most used verse in Bible studies. Well, you uh, should be talking I, about this one, not I me. open nearly all of my sermons and all of my Bible studies with this sentiment that, that God created us because he wanted to. You yes. know, God didn't create us for necessity. It, ultimately, God doesn't. God he doesn't, doesn't need, us. need us. No, um, we are. Uh, you he know, wants we, us. He wants us, and this is this is the incra- the amazing thing is that God wants us. Um, that the God wants us, and we can see that through the plan of salvation and through history, like more more than anywhere else. If we have a God that's literally willing to come down and die on a cross for us, um, 
then how pumped should we be to, to be in that relationship with God? I um, mean, it makes the point here, like, you know, this, this verse is also about worship. You know, it says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. This is ultimately God's worthy of worship. And it's like, why? Well, because he created us. And then it, you know, answers the next question. Why did he create us? Because he wanted to, for his pleasure. And, and we sit here, you know, 6,000 years after, after sin, essentially, um, and where, like, you know, we've seen this this human history of death and destruction and, and pain, while simultaneously God is working the whole time to bring humanity out of that. And I, I love that this this verse is in Revelation, and it's a reference. You know, it's in the last book of the Bible, referencing back to the first events of the Bible and the first events of human history, because it, it shows us like all the way through, God has been faithful, and God wants us so much that. He's, he's just willing to do anything so that he can have us, and it's just awesome. It's yeah, just truly awesome. amazing. Okay, here's a, uh, a quick teaser for tomorrow. I want you to find out what book of the Bible is written on two sides. Double-sided book is tomorrow's Bible study. Don't miss it.
if what God has already done isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real. And real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it a care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
you're listening to Mark Miller, my faith has found a resting place here on Faith FM. And we have come to question of the day time. Lawson, what mm-hmm. is our question of the day today? Our question of the day is, why does the Bible say that the Spirit goes to God at death? Okay, so the, the, that's the question we put up on social media, but I'll, let me read you the longer version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ecclesiastes 12.7 clearly indicates that our soul and spirit return to God and our physical body returns to the dust of the earth. So let's read Ecclesiastes 12 verse 7 and let's find out, does the Bible say that? So Ecclesiastes 12 verse 7, the Bible says, Then shall the dust return or the body return to the earth as it was. Okay, so that's good. It continues on and it says, And the Spirit shall return to God who gave it. So the Bible is mm-hmm. very clear here that the Spirit returns to God. There is nothing in this verse about the soul. Mm. There is no mention of the soul in this mm-hmm. verse. And so when the, the question is asked, a very good question, the soul and spirit, no, it doesn't mention the soul, no mention of the soul here whatsoever at all. Okay, so what we've got here is um, a very common misunderstanding that a lot of people just assume because they've heard it over and over and over again. And when you hear it over and over again through your whole life, you just sort of one of those things you never question. But the, in the Bible, the soul and the spirit are two very, very different things. And we need to find out, we need to define what these two things are. And we need to find out what is the spirit that returns to God. So um, we'll look at, uh, let me see here, Job chapter 27 and verse 3. And while we're turning there, I want to point out that the word spirit here comes from the word pneuma, which is the word for air. You know, anything that is pneumatic runs off air. And the uh, and so the, that's, that's the word for, uh, for breath. Um, it says here in um, Job 27 verse 3, All the while my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nose. Okay, let's think about that. Do you have a ghost in your nose? No. What the Bible is talking about is the breath of life, that spark of life that God gives to you, and that's the human spirit. So you've got you know, the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about that. Ministering spirits, we're not talking about that either. We're talking about the breath of life here. Okay, so that's, that solves that one for us. Uh, what is it that goes back to God? It is the breath of life that he gives to it gives to us. He gives it to us when we are created. He takes it away when we die. What about then the soul? Because the question is also about the soul. The definition for the soul is found in Genesis 2 and verse 7, where the Bible says, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. So he makes a body out of the dust of the ground. That's step one. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the spirit That's step two. So God creates a body and breathes in the breath of life, gives him the spark of life. And the Bible says, and man became a living soul. This is very important. Notice that God did not create a body and then put a soul in it. No, he created a body. He put the spirit in it or he put the breath in it and breath Plus body, a living being, is called a living soul. And this is a principle that you'll find from one end of the Bible to the other. That's why the Bible says the soul that sins will die. That's why the Bible says that you know, every soul in the sea died. That's why the Bible says that there were eight souls that were saved on the ark. These were not eight ghosts that were saved on the ark. They were eight people that were saved on the ark. The word soul and the word spirit, this is an interesting thing to talk, talk to think about. The word soul and spirit are mentioned over 1,700 times in the Bible. And out of all of those references, 
There is not a single solitary reference anywhere, not one, that mentions either the soul or the spirit as being immortal. The Bible is clear that both the soul and the spirit are subject to death. Um, and that when the breath of life is taken away, of course, um, death takes place and um, the body returns to, you know, the, the spirit, the breath of life goes back to God, the body returns to dust, and the soul is simply dead. Um, so, yeah, very good question. We have another one coming up in relationship to the rich man and Lazarus, and that one we will answer tomorrow. Man, that's wild. That's awesome. But I think it's it's really good to to yeah to to have that understanding of you know the differentiation between soul and spirit and um and to just know like because it's just there's just so much disinformation out there so much yeah. information and it's good and to context just, is going to tell you which spirit is holy spirit ministering spirits or human spirit mm. well that is awesome thank you so much Lyle we now have coming up Alison Krauss and Union Station with Heaven's Bright Shore.
Welcome back. That was Alison Krauss and Union Station with Heaven's Bright Shore here on Faith FM. And we have come to that part of the day where we are about to give something away. What are we giving away today, Lawson? We're giving away our book. Sounds good. And what is this book? This book is called, you know, considering we've been talking about the spirit and the and, and all these different things and the living soul, this book is called Secrets Beyond the Grave. Okay, so this is going to answer in much more detail the question that mm. was asked by our questioner this morning mm. 100%. Uh, about why does the Bible say that you know the uh, the spirit goes back to God and the body returns to the dust, um, and what is the difference between the body, the soul, and the spirit? These are three different things, and if you are looking for a lot more Bible verses than what I was able to give in my short, you know, five minute slot on. Uh, question of the day, then this book is going to have the answers for you in detail. You'll be able to write those Bible verses down, look them up and go through them and study them out for yourself. Secrets Beyond the Grave by Dwight Hall. And of course, this is somebody who himself had some encounters with the supernatural and writes from the standpoint of experience. And of course, Bible knowledge, if you want to know what the Bible says on these and other important subjects, such as, you know, the rich man and Lazarus. We're going to be talking about that one tomorrow. Then, what do we do, Lawson? How do they get the book? So they give us a call, or you can text in, but we'd prefer if you call, because we like to hear all your beautiful voices, and you can call us up on 1-800-324-843 and get this book and claim it for your own. First caller through, 1-800-324-843, or contact us via our social media, or text us on 0491-064-669, and this book can be yours. And don't forget... That, as always, if you would like to know more about the Bible, then we can, if you have questions that you would like to ask, we can arrange uh, any kind of Bible study for you that you would like anywhere in Australia. Stay tuned.
unbearable 